Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today is day 216 of our Bible in Year Challenge and you are welcome back once again in another episode. Today is probably going to be one of the best daily readings that I've had in a while just because I have a very interesting story uh, to back up the theme. So today's theme is the suffering servant and we are taking our readings from isaiah 53 54 ezekiel 14 15 and proverbs 12 25 to 28 and because of the theme of today's um episode i would like to start our reflection from ezekiel to isaiah because Isaiah is going to be like the primax of today's message so first of all in ezekiel 14 15 um god has a message to a certain group of people so these are people who have sinned these are people who have worshipped idols these are people who have done so many committed so many abominations and have not had any reverence for god whatsoever coming to seek the face of god coming not necessarily to see i feel like if i say seek the face of god it it makes you look like you're repentant they're not repentant they worship idols but they want to hear god's message they want to hear god's will and they come to prophet isaiah to seek to hear what god has to say to them because they're probably suffering so much and they just need some form of help and god has a message to them and he says that these people would suffer these people would probably be in more pain than they were before they came because their heart is not in the right place they're not coming to turn away from their sins they're not coming to repent they're not coming to acknowledge that they've done wrong they want to continue what they've always done they want to continue in their sin in their idolatry while also coming to god to get his help and although this may seem very dumb like why would you do that like seeing the story from a third person's point of view it seems very dumb but this is something we do every single time that we continue in our sin our conscience, the voice of God in our hearts, tells us that what we're doing is wrong, but we don't care because at that point in time, the only thing we care about is doing what we want to do. And then we continue in that thing, but then we still want God to help us when we are suffering the repercussions of what we've done. And so many times we view God as a genie, as a personal wish maker, that anything we wish, anything we want, we can always go to him for him to provide. And while that is partially true, because God wants to help us and God wants to provide for us, it is entirely wrong because that is not the only reason why we should always go to God. Above everything, above everything else, the number one thing that God wants for us is to have a relationship with us. And that is why he says um, in verses 5, this is from chapter 14, verses 5, it says, All those idols have turned the Israelites away from me. But by my answer, I hope to win back their loyalty. Verse 6. Now then, tell the Israelites what I, the sovereign Lord, am saying. Turn back and leave your disgusting idols. In the time of the Israelites, these idols were physical idols, foreign gods that they worshipped and they offered sacrifices to, they made rituals to. In our case, it probably might not be a physical idol. But an idol is whatever we put above God is whatever we respect and we we reverence more than God it can be anything it can be your finances it can be a person in your life it can be a habit or an addiction 
but whatever it is that you spend so much time um caring for or nurturing is an idol in your life and so i think this calls for reflection to look back and see whatever might have taken our heart away from god whatever we um care more about than god because the will of god for us is a good relationship a healthy relationship and then before we move on to isaiah the last thing is there is this certain part of chapters four that is titled in my Bible, in the Good News Bible, titled Noah, Daniel, and Job. And it is just a repetition that even if Noah, Daniel, and Job, which were like very super righteous men, even if those three righteous men lived in the country of Israel in those days, that their righteousness, their good deeds will only be able to save them. And what does this mean? In the time of Noah, when God promised to not send the flood anymore but that was after he already sent the flood and there was a huge flood that wiped out the entire earth there was still time for people to repent everyone saw noah building this huge ark in the middle of dry ground you know before then water never came from the sky the water always came from under the ground to water the plants and the trees so they had never experienced anything that came before and i'm pretty sure while noah was building the ark definitely people coming to ask him what exactly are you doing what are you preparing for why are you spending so much time building the structure when there is no water around and he must have seemed crazy explaining to them that there would come a time that there would be rain and not just rain but heavy rain to wipe out the entire world and you would imagine that there was an opportunity for people who believed him to be saved there was an opportunity for people who understood what he was talking about to enter the ark and be saved but noah's righteousness noah's good deeds saved not just him but his entire family his wife his sons and their wives were all saved from the flood but god is saying in this um this is from verses 12 to verses 23 that even if noah lived in the time of the israelites while this prophecy is being given that only noah would be saved not his family not his sons not his wife and I think this just brought to mind the fact that our salvation is personal. We've all been given a personal choice. Um, when, when Jesus gave this parable or this story about how uh, judgment is going to be like, it's usually one of the very scary stories because it just brings to mind how real um, the end of the world is going to look, you know? It says that two people would be in, uh, two people would be making bread. One would be taken, one would be left. Two people would be in the fields. One would be taken, one would be left. And it reminds us that our salvation is personal. Our relationship with God is personal. Even though your parents might be perfect saints, even though your parents might be on the road to going to heaven, even though your parents have an amazing relationship with God, that has nothing to do with your relationship with god and this is a call to have a personal relationship with god yes your parents can help you find god can help you understand christianity and can help you understand how to build that relationship and work in it because they did that for me but i had to make a personal decision at some point in time to nurture to water and to grow that relationship with god 
And that decision is personal for each and every one of us. Every single day we live, we have a choice to choose God or to choose anything else. And then in Isaiah chapter 53, 54, specifically 53, it talks about the suffering servant. And this is also one of the parts of the readings that are taken for the stations of the cross. And it talks about Jesus. Jesus is a suffering servant. It talks about how Jesus came in um, into this world with no beauty, with no riches. There was nothing attached to him that could draw us to him. It talks about Jesus being the sacrificial lamb. There was probably so so much debate about Jesus being the savior that was prophesied because he came from a very low and poor background. And no one would ever think that the savior of Israel or the savior of the world would come from such a background, would have such a poor upbringing. And I'm pretty sure this was one of the reasons why many people never believed him until they probably actually started seeing the miracles that he performed, that he was the son of God. And while we read that uh, chapter 53, I think it's it helps to bring to mind every single word that we read. One of my major turning points in my journey with God was this one time that I was just reading the Bible uh, before I went to bed. And it was about the, it was the story about the death of Jesus, uh, the the witnesses, the false witnesses, the condemnation, all those stations of the cross and leading to his crucifixion. And I remember reading it as I usually read it as a story. This was what happened before. This were Roman soldiers that tortured and that whipped and that killed Jesus. These were Jews that denied Jesus and preferred a robber to him. This was Pontius Pilate that condemned Jesus, even though he knew that he was innocent. These were the Pharisees that were jealous of Jesus, that they had to get false witnesses to accuse him. It was always this or the people doing these things to a certain man who was innocent. But when I read it that night, I read it about twice, and then I read it a third time. It wasn't those people who were within Jesus. It wasn't those people who were throwing stones at him. It wasn't those people who were hurling insults at him. It was me. I was the one he came to save. I was the one he came to love. I was the one he came to heal. I was the one he came to bring peace. And I was also the one who judged him. And I was the one who left him lonely in the garden. And I was the one who denied him. I was the one who slapped him. I was the one who whipped him. I was the one who nailed him. And it helps to see the story from that point of view because that is the truth. Inasmuch as we all want to excuse ourselves from being the people who inflicted such pain on Jesus, the truth is that we are the people because he came for us and by his stripes we are healed. This is a verse from the reading for today. In verses 5 it says, But because of our sins he was wounded, beaten because of the evil we did in verses three we despised him and rejected him he endured suffering and pain we ignored him as if he were nothing 
verse 6, all of us were like ship that were lost. Each of us go in his own way, but the Lord made the punishment to fall on him. Just, just, just hold on these words for a minute. When we read from Ezekiel, the Israelites sinned, and they were the ones suffering the punishments of their sins. They were taken into exile. God promised to inflict on them war, famine, diseases. They sinned, and they suffered for their sins. But Isaiah is prophesying in chapter 53 that we would sin, but he would be the one suffering for our sin. I mean, what other group of people have such a message that God, the almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, the most powerful being that can ever and will ever exist, came in such a wretched form and suffered such pain from the people he created. And that is why in um, chapter 53 as well, um, verses one, the beginning verse says, who would believe what we would now report? Who could have seen the Lord's hand in this? Like, how is this even believable that God will sacrifice himself for us? While I was reading this, one gospel song that came to mind is How Deep the Father's Love for Us by Start Townsend. And the first verse of the song says, How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away, as wounds which mar the chosen one, bring many sons to glory. It was the will of the Lord. It was also the will of Jesus because he offered himself to die and to suffer such pain so that because of him, many people would come to have a relationship with God. That is the kind of love that God has for us. That is the kind of love that we seek. When you feel that empty void, when you feel like there is no amount of valuables or riches that can fill you and there is always that part of you that is seeking and wanting something more, that is the only love that can satisfy because that is the only love that endured. His word says, even while we were still sinners, he came and he died for us. And this brings me to the last part of today's reflection that Jesus is a suffered servant in today's readings. But we as Christians are called to live a life that reflects and perfectly imitates Jesus. And so what would be our what would be our um response if it was the will of God that certain things should happen to us? One thing to keep in mind is that being called a Christian means you're living a life that is no longer yours. Paul made this clear in his letters. He said that we have been dead to ourselves and the life we now live is the life of God, life of Christ living in us. And so if it is God's will that certain things should happen and certain things shouldn't happen, would you be okay with that? Anyways, um, that is today's reflection. Thank you so much for listening this far. I hope to see you guys in the next episode. We are approaching the season of Lent very soon, and I cannot wait for all of the 
uh, I love seasonal events. Like my best time of the year, just because it just helps me to slow down a bit more and to reflect on how far I have come. And yeah, I'm so looking forward to that. Thank you so much once again. And I will see you guys in the next episode. Same time, same place. Please have an amazing day.